Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. Today, I have Emily with me today of M Loves. She is a coach and co-founder of M Love, and she's awesome, you guys. Like she's during college at UC Berkeley, she completed a hundred date experiment and went on a hundred and one dates with fifty two different men. Research from the experiment became the foundation for her coaching program. And today she is an expert at helping men get more dates with women they're excited about. She uses a method called mega dating, which is a process of dating multiple people at the same time to diffuse energy and increase confidence. But I will better let her explain everything. So thank you for coming on the show today, Emily. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. I have read about you and watched your videos on YouTube and went on your site and just really amazed at how you built this business. But more importantly is you believe in what you're selling because you went through it yourself. So tell me a little bit about mega dating and give me the whole spiel. Yeah. Yeah. So basically when I was in college, I did this 100 date experiment and it helped me to Um, really move out of an avoidant attachment into a secure, healthy relationship. Um, Been with my partner now for 11 years. We co-founded M-Loves together and we're getting married this year and having a baby. So things are going pretty well. Um, but yeah, so, so, um, basically I wanted to know whether love was real or not. I didn't have a lot of good role models growing up and, um, you know, my parents were never married, um, And just didn't know if love was really a thing. I just thought maybe it was this like Disney created it to sell movies, you know? And, um, and so I got this idea while I was in college. What if I did a hundred date experiment? I bet you at the end, I would know whether love was real or not. And if it's not, well, then I'll just marry rich or something, you know, like whatever. Um, and so I dated 52 different men and I went on 101 dates and the process, um, Basically, I was just dating really quickly, dating in rapid succession, like two to three dates a week. And going that quickly with my dating, I was able to really see um, who I was attracting and where the problem areas were. And of course, I was the problem, right? I was very attracted to the wrong type of guy in the beginning. They were all toxic. Um, You know, I, I, I of like the first 10 guys I dated, the only ones I liked were the mean ones. And I thought, wow, that's really strange. It was a pattern I wouldn't have been able to see if I hadn't have been dating quickly, right? And so that got me thinking, man, what is going on here? And it allowed me to really see problems in my selection process that were holding me back from finding love with a, a kind, thoughtful, amazing, respectful partner. And so once I met Tom, who is my co-founder in the business, and I met him in the 100 date experiment, we we started M Loves, and at the time I was filming videos, so the guys I went on dates with, they would watch them, and they actually wanted feedback because they were like, "Oh, this is great. Women don't tell you what's going on, you know." But in my videos, I'd be like, "Oh man, I wish he would have stood up to greet me, or like chose a place with a bathroom that was clean, you know, all of these little strange details." Um, so it kind of naturally evolved into a coaching program, and now I teach a philosophy called mega dating which is basically dating in really rapid succession. So I tell my clients or my students, 
to go on 20 dates in 90 days and that constraint of time and the speed at which you're dating going on two dates a week or so, it really helps you see what's happening. Like, wow, I'm attracted to women who take advantage of me. What is that about? Or I'm always giving more than I'm receiving. Or um, I only like these people, but they don't like me back. And how can I shift the way that I'm presenting myself? And so, yeah, we've been doing it 11 years now. We've had a ton of people get married, get engaged, get in relationships. Uh, it's so much fun. We love what we're doing. And and it's really changing changing some lives. So that's that. Are there a certain type of guy you're focused on, like certain age range or ethnicity, religion, any of that stuff, or even location where they're located? Oh, uh, you know, we work with men. It's funny. The second I say an age range, then it's totally different. We work with men from 18 to 85. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the age doesn't seem to play a huge role. There are differences for sure. Like a man in his early 20s is at the hardest point of his life for dating. Um, a man in his 50s actually tends to have a much easier time dating than a man in his 20s. But we work with all ages. We work with all races. Um, I love that you're an Asian matchmaker, right? Because yeah. we, I mean, I did a series on YouTube for dating as an Asian man. And there are like particular challenges that come about especially like we interviewed people dating as an enemy as an asian man in america and then dating as an asian man in other places and it's it's different depending on whether you're here in the states or whether you're dating somewhere else um what are some of those differences yeah across the board so i think we interviewed like four different gentlemen and a lot of them said that it was much easier as an asian man to date in europe and it was interesting to me that they'd all traveled there and dated Whereas you don't see that, I don't think you see that as much um, in like, you know, Caucasian population that they would go to another country and date. Um, but they said Europe was just easier, maybe because of like, I really don't know. It, it has to do something with the culture. Um, I would just yeah. think people in Europe are less judgmental. I mean, just me talking to uh, UK matchmakers, they're like, wait, what? People are ranking people in the US? Like, are you a five or a six? Are you an eight or a nine? And I don't think looks are so important there where it's so important here, especially like Los Angeles or New York or some of those big cities. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. It could be. It's a really interesting thing. And then you also see like, the media, the way the media represents Asian Americans and also like Indian Americans, um, The Bachelor, I don't think they, I mean, I don't, haven't gone through their records, but I don't ever see like an Indian person on The Bachelor. You see like a couple of like black people. I hardly ever see Asian men on The Bachelor. It's like, there's no representation in the media. And a lot of times I've talked with my Asian male clients and they're like, you know, we're represented in the media as nerds, right. as opposed to like, you know, I had this conversation with one of my, one of my students and he's like, I used to watch all the samurai movies growing up. So I just thought Asian men were super sexy and hyper-masculine. And then you realize that the perception that other people are having in America is like, you know, even if you watch like everything, everywhere, all at once, this movie, I was so disappointed. Like the, the lead male role was such a nerd, you know, it's like, why are we doing that all the time? Right. You know? Yeah. So I think it has something to do with our media. I mean, there are things, you know, we had this conversation with 
when I did the series on dating as an Asian man in America and um, some of the students were like, you know, we have to overcompensate in certain areas to feel like we're on an equal playing field. So one of the students that I was talking to, he's like, you know, I became a very good surfer so that I would have an advantage, you know, when she, when these women would see me surf. And then I've heard also like um, overcompensating at work. Like I have to be, you know, it's so important that I am successful in the workplace because otherwise I'm not. I don't feel like I'm at the same level. I'm not being given the same opportunities that say a white male in America would be given, which it's interesting, you know, and, and I think as a matchmaker, you probably have even deeper insight than, than I would, you know, cause you're probably approaching these women and like, Hey, here's, here's a little bit about my, my um, client. Are you open to dating them? But I don't know. What is it like in your experience? I just find that it's interesting. You said as the men get older, it's easier for them to date, right? Because they have more options. The men in their 20s have it a lot tougher. I feel like the women in their 20s have a lot of options. So the men in their 20s are vying for their attention. So it's really tough. Mm -hmm. And then the women have it easy in their 20s. But once the women creep into their 40s and 50s, yeah, the men have an advantage. So it's like, there is that. Um, but for my clients, it's really, it's, it's different. It's because they come to a matchmaker, I think they have more demands. So for example, a guy who would normally date a woman up to his age, but because he pays me and he now can kind of put in his order for the perfect woman, he doesn't want to date his age. He wants to date five years younger, 10 years younger, sometimes uh, 15 years younger. So it just all depends. But yeah. the bottom line is people just need to take care of their bodies and what they look like, right? They need to put some pride into their appearance because that is the first impression, right? You can't deny that. You can't deny that first impressions make a huge impact on what people think of you. But aside from that, it's okay. You take, you know, take care of what you look like, working out like an Asian man should, should work out. You don't want to look wimpy compared to the American men, right? Like there are guys, uh, Asian men that are slim that uh, probably don't work out, but they probably should go to the gym, get, you know, work out with some weights so they can look better and feel better and mm -hmm. fit their clothes better. But um, my thing is when men come to me because they want to date Asian women, that is my niche. So they want to date the Asian women that look like on TV and magazines and stuff like that. Right. So, but 66% of Americans are overweight or obese. So that is a problem right there. So now they're coming to me wanting to meet the other 33%. Right. But then now it's like, okay, in that 33%, we got to make sure that they match up to your age, what you're looking for, key life values and all that good stuff. So yeah, matchmaking is interesting. It's um is more specific versus online dating, right? You have more options online dating, but mm -hmm. matchmaking is more uh we're honing in on exactly who you're looking for and hopefully increase your odds of finding somebody. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's a different beast for sure. Matchmaking versus coaching. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. did matchmaking a little bit. Um over the last decade. And it, it's fascinating to me for sure.
Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so do you, are you cool to work with people when they're like, I will only date 15 years younger or more? Yes, but they have to have something to offer, right? Like if you're looking for a woman 15 years younger, okay, uh, you're, let's say you're 50 and you're looking for someone 35. Okay. She might still want kids. Do you really want to have kids at Mm -hmm. 50? Are you okay meeting somebody who doesn't want kids, doesn't have kids? Um, You're going to retire 15 years before she's looking at retirement. Are you okay if she doesn't work? Can Mm -hmm. you financially take care of her? You know, are you okay with those things? Or you're almost retiring. Um, Are you okay if she just doesn't, can you support her? You know, those, those things come into play. Like you're ready to almost retire and you're gainfully employed and you have, you're financially stable, but are you okay if she still works and she doesn't have the time to hang out with you, you know? So it's like Mm -hmm. all these factors come into play, but yes, there are some guys that will date, um, 10 years younger, 15 years younger, but it's like, okay, what do you have to offer? Are you in shape? Are you looking good? You know, do you have a head full of hair that matters a lot to Asian women? Like, unfortunately it's tougher to match guys that are bald, but yeah, it's doable. Just, yeah, there's all these different things that people want. So yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But getting back to your program, um, the mega dating, do you suggest that they date twice a week? Is that what you said? Um, twice a week over 90 days? Yeah. If you're going on one to two dates a week, that's going to give you the quantity that you need to really compare and contrast multiple partners. And, you know, if things are going well with somebody, I count up to the first, second, and third date towards that number. So it's not necessarily 20 people. Um, It may be 10 women, you know, that you date and you see how it goes with. Um, But yeah, I think that gives you enough variety to really see what you're looking for. Learn who is best for you, who makes you feel good. A lot of times when we first start, even when I first started, I thought, oh, I need a guy who is Latino, six feet tall, CEO, meh, 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 meh. And then I went on this dating journey. And of course, my perfect partner who I've been with for 11 years is none of those things, you know, but he's kind and thoughtful and driven and hardworking and like all of these other qualities that I didn't even know were so important, you know? And yeah. So do you recommend that they go out with somebody, even though it's not their normal criteria, just to go out on a date, just to go? Um, I recommend in the beginning that they open their mind. So like my first client ever who uh, got married last year and I got to be in his wedding, he told me, and actually he was a matchmaking client of mine back when I did matchmaking. Don't do it anymore. Um, He goes, I will never date a woman who doesn't like cats because he breeds cats. So he has like 10 cats. And, And then he's like, I'll never date a woman who's religious because he's atheist. He married a woman who goes to church every Sunday, very religious, and she is super allergic to cats and they make it work, you know, and they made it work. They found solutions, but really they are perfect partners for each other in totally different ways. So sometimes, and I don't know, you tell me if you see this in the matchmaking side, sometimes you get it in your head, like, oh, I've got to have this checklist. And you got to kind of ask yourself, where does that checklist even come from? Like, why do I think that I have to have, I, I don't know how often you get this from your females that you're working with, but 
I used to hear it all the time. Oh, he's got to be six feet tall. Even if the woman is like five, two, I'm like, why? That has nothing to do with love. I understand the appeal, but you know, how do you navigate that when, when somebody's like really rigid on, on their wants and you're like, that's not exactly what love, you know, love, love doesn't have height things in the mix. I feel like every episode I talk about height, but you're right. It doesn't, no one has ever said, oh my gosh, I have the best husband. He's the best father of my children because he's tall. Like who has ever said that, right? Nobody. So yes, height doesn't really matter, but yes, I get it. You need the attraction. You want to wear heels, whatever. But what if you met the perfect, perfect guy and you should wear flats with him because that makes you feel better that he's taller than you or you make him feel better because you're not taller than him. Go ahead and save your high heels for your friends and wear it with your girlfriends. Like who cares? But yeah, there are women that come to me and ask for that. I get it. If she's five, seven, she wants a guy who's six. Oh, I get it. But I feel like the shorter guys try harder, you know, yes. the taller guys don't have to try as hard because they've had all this attention their whole lives. So yeah. I would just want to warn the women like, okay, if you have these strict superficial criteria, again, if you want kids, I would be, I would open the doors a little bit for more options. And yes, you could probably be picky in your twenties, but once you hit 30 and you want kids, you better you better not be as picky if you want to really find someone who matters. And, um, but they're, they're not going to listen to us until they're like 40 and they want kids. And now they're going to date a guy who's five, nine, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. I'm sure it just, it's never going to stop, but, but yeah, if you take, there's like all these male actors that are really good looking and people really like them and you write down their height. I mean, there was this meme going around and the funny guys are like five, 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 six, a brilliant guy who everybody loves. He's only five, eight, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. all this stuff doesn't matter, but it's hard to tell a single woman that, especially if they have guys vying for their attention. Right. So, yeah. 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 I think it's like a weeding out tool because sometimes it's so overwhelming as a woman if you're on a dating app or something, just, you know, you get so much, they're like, oh, well, if I just set it to six feet tall, then I can cut out a lot. And yeah, I mean, you just lose, you lose a lot too. But why don't they just, um, instead of having height as a criteria, they should have maybe education as a criteria or, you know, other criteria like, does scale of one to 10, how badly does he want kids? Like those are ah. different criteria that maybe they could work with a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I mean, so you don't coach women at all, just the men. Almost never. I, I mean, occasionally I, I met with a woman this week, um, because it was a referral from a student, but almost never. I I've had a couple that they're like, I just really resonate with this concept. And, you know, one woman I worked with for a very short time and then whatever we talked about worked and now she's married. It was like the first guy she dated after we talked, it was really cool. Um, and I'm not like, yeah, yeah. I pretty much just work with men. I don't know. I'm kind of a tomboy too. So maybe that's why I think like a dude, but I speak girl. So it, it works. 
What do you mean you think like a dude, but speak girl? Tell me a little bit more about your experience or your, the way you coach. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just super analytical and, and like data driven and logical. And at the same time, I'm a woman with emotions. And so when I did the dating experiment, I really looked at it as like, this is all research. You know, when I feel not attracted, what logically happened right before? Oh, he didn't stand to greet me. Um, there was no mirror in the bathroom. There was, you know, getting here was very stressful. And I walked in and I was bringing all that with me. So I I've found a way to take the emotional side and quantify it and turn it into this measurable thing. Um, and I, and I found that men are really logical, you know, they tell you about their day and they're like, well, I did this, this, and this, and a woman tells you about her day. And she's like, oh my God, this happened. And I felt like this, and oh, it was, you know, and we're talking about emotions. And so for me, it's really easy for me to break down. Okay. These are the emotions, but here's the logical things that you can do to create the emotions that you want to create. Right. How do I make her feel good about me? Well, logically just do, you know, wear this, say this do your hair like this, go to this location, spend this amount of money. Don't take longer than this amount of time, you know? So I think that, that just really appeals to, to men is they just want to know what to do in a really logical way. So you've been doing uh day coaching for how many years now? I'm on 11. Okay. So in the last year or two, did you have any new dating tips that you can give men out there that you're like, huh, this really actually worked for my clients, or you would not have thought this would have worked, but actually this is a really solid tip that you can. Yes. Okay. Yes. Give me some uh, of those. Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen the South Park episode with chat GPT, it is legit just like that. Um, my students are using it. They told me about it, um, but it's basically AI that crafts compelling messages for you. And uh, in the program, I I have a formula that I recommend they follow so that they get more responses to their messages on dating apps and they're able to convert them into dates without the conversation fizzling out. Um, But when ChatGPT came on the scene, have you heard about this? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So it's like an app that does, it it creates messages for you that are interesting. Um, When they started applying ChatGPT in the formula that I teach, they're like, it's just like night and day. So much easier, faster to message and the messages are really good. So if anybody watching this or listening hasn't watched the South Park episode about chat GPT, <laughs> it is exactly like that. It's It can be used for dating really well. So you have a client, you put something, you enter something in there, you hit search and then you're saying chat GPT comes up with different text messages that they can text the women Mm -hmm. and it really works it does yeah it's just like that episode of south park where the girl's like oh my god i love him so much (laughs) and he's literally just asking ai to craft him a message right that's great that's like such a new thing has that been around in the last year or how long has that been around i've just heard about it this year okay i'm not sure when it came out but yeah that's when people started using it a lot Yeah. Wow. That's like a game changer for the men and women out there. So uh, what are some other tips that you can give to maybe more of the introverted guy out there that is like maybe afraid of women or afraid to date or 
shy, not a lot of dating experience. What do you suggest for those type of guys? Uh, well, you know, there's women just like them, you know? So when, when people are comparing themselves, they're like, oh, no one's going to like me. I like to play chess and I like to, or whatever, play video games. There's women out there for you. You know, there's a woman, either there's a woman who is a good balance for you, who can help you to like pull you into social events and kind of make you feel comfortable there. Or there's women too, that, that also enjoy the things that you enjoy and, or she likes to have her own time too. So I wouldn't be too worried about like not finding that person. Um, I think dating apps really work for that. I'm sure matchmaking really works for that. It's about finding somebody who's compatible with you and just know, like, just because you're introverted, that doesn't mean there's not a million women out there who don't feel the same way. Yeah. So being in this business for 11 years now, do you feel like dating is kind of easy if they want to apply themselves and want to find a partner? Like there are all these tools that you have to help them become a better dater. Don't you feel like dating is easy if they just put their minds to it? Oh, I don't know. It it totally depends. I think that um, what I teach makes it easier, okay. makes it easier for people. Cause they don't like, you know, there's no school for this stuff. Right. Right. You, like, I don't know what I'm doing when I get on an app or when I like it's, it can be really difficult and confusing and overwhelming. And if you don't know what you're doing and you're just looking up like help on Reddit or, you know, all these different sources, you're just kind of like, Oh, what should I say next? And you're looking up a video is a lot of information that can be confusing. Yeah. If you have a strategy that's really simple to follow, it can, it can make it so much easier and better. Um, And fun. fun If you have some kind of guide and some kind of process, right? Like if you come up with a framework that you're, I should do this, this will put me in the best success level if I do this. So I just find that there are so many tools out there today for people to make dating easier. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't say dating is easy. Otherwise we both wouldn't have a job if yeah. dating was so easy. Right. But yeah, I mean, there I think, are things to make it easier. So, yeah, I think today in a lot of ways, dating is the hardest it's been for a very long time. And in a lot of ways, it's the easiest it's been ever. So in terms of being difficult, I think COVID really set us back. Um, I think it killed a lot of social skills. I think it shifted the work environment. So now people are lonelier than ever. There's a lot of studies coming out about loneliness. Um, you know, so much work is remote now. People are struggling to connect. And then they're they're also losing that muscle of connection. And that can make it really difficult, you know. And, and I think I've seen a lot of people who still are kind of nervous to go outside and to meet people in person and Um, so I think that made it more difficult. What made it easier, you know, I would say like the dating apps, we didn't have access to dating apps 50 years ago, 50 years ago, you were going to marry somebody you found in your neighborhood. That is like really limiting. How do you know that you have anything in common with that person? You know, now, if you know how to set up a dating profile, um, or you're working with a matchmaker, you can find somebody who's so deeply compatible with you on so many levels, like this has never, this technology has never been here before. And it really gives us the opportunity to connect in such a deep way. So in that regard, like it's much more efficient 
and much more productive, I think. But there's other things that are making it much harder. Like our social skills suck now. You know, we used to have to go outside our house. We didn't have phones. We didn't have Zoom. You had to go and be in the world. And now it's really easy to sit on your couch and watch Netflix and work all day in front of your computer and just never see anybody. And I think that makes it harder. And also sometimes that creates uh, lazy daters, right? Like they only want to date someone in their backyard or they only want to date someone if it's easy. They don't want to drive 35, 40 minutes to get to a restaurant to maybe have a connection with this person. So I think in some respects, it's made, it created a lot of lazy daters, but at the same time, it's like Zoom is now an option. Go out on a zero date and do a video date. Or how about old school fashion, old fashioned calling somebody to get to know them. But now people are so lazy. They don't even want to pick up the phone and call anybody. They want to just text text him or text her. So do you suggest, do you advise your clients to pick up the phone and call people sometimes, or you mainly just suggest they date by texting each other and then seeing them in person? Like what's the plan? Calling is great. Should always call because so much gets lost in translation and some people are terrible texters. You know, they're just terrible. They don't look at their phone. They make you feel bad, but really it's just because they don't like texting or they're bad at it or, you know, whatever they say, it's like, you're not getting the full person from a text message. We like 80% of communication is nonverbal. So if you can see the other person, especially, or hear the other person, but especially see them, you have so much more information. So I always encourage my students to pick up the phone because otherwise you start getting in your head. Oh, she didn't call me back. Oh, she she must think I'm terrible. I was just having this conversation with somebody. Well, turns out the girl sent him an audio note and it disappeared right before he he didn't even see it. And then, then there's all this miscommunication. So just give her a call easy. Yeah. Set up the date in person. I also like to remind women that you should call the guy every now and then. So it kind of gives him permission to call you because maybe he doesn't know that you are open for a phone call. So someone has to start somewhere to make the move and to give the other person permission to call. Like it's okay to call. It's not unusual. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So you have been with your fiance for 11 years, you said, right? 11 years. Yeah. Okay. 11 years. What what have you learned about dating in that time that can make it easy for someone else to meet today? Like in today's world, like what are something that you realize, okay, this is, this was different back then, but now we could do this. So you mean in terms, well, I'll just tell you what came to first to my mind is um, a lot of times we chase the firecracker. Okay, that person that they come in the room, they make you weak in the knees. You're like, oh, you have this extreme reaction to them. And then when you're dating them, it's like this crazy roller coaster. And you're just like, oh, this is the love of my life. Right. I've done it a lot. (laughs) And then you also date what I call the slow burn, where you don't have that oh head over heels, weak in the knees feeling. But every time you see them, it just feels good. It just feels good. And it feels a little bit better every time. Um, And I would encourage people like 
to really pay attention to the slow burn and not write it off, especially women. I think women, a lot of times, um, they, th- they expect this crazy, intense roller coaster love. People sing about it. It's on all these songs, but that almost always dies out or blows up or whatever. Whereas if you pay attention to the slow burn, that is a signal that you guys actually share a lot of commonalities. And every time, if you see them, every time you see them, it gets better, but it feels easy and it doesn't feel difficult. And it's like, you've known each other forever and it's subtle. That's the one to pay attention to. And a lot of times we just write that off because we get addicted to the roller coaster. Love addiction is very real. It's more powerful than heroin addiction, right? What happens to the signals in our brain? Um, So I would just encourage people to like give that guy a chance or give that girl a chance that maybe the first date wasn't fireworks, but you enjoy their company and just see where it goes. You know, give it, give it a little bit of time. Doesn't have to be this knock you off your feet thing. That certainly wasn't the case for me. I also feel like women after the date, at least with the women I work with, they say, yeah, I, I liked him. I would go out with him again. But then two or three days later, they change their mind. Like after I tell the man, yes, she wants to see you again. She had a great time or a decent time or neutral time. And she would like to get to know you better. But then somewhere along the line, after the date till when he asked her out again, she changed her mind. It's like, I wonder what goes through the women's mind. Like, why? Why did they all of a sudden change their mind? Did they talk to a friend like a bad friend giving poor advice or did they get scared to make that commitment for the second date? Cause they think it's a surprise arranged marriage or something like, you know, what's the deal? I don't know. I find that women are very fickle and they change with the wind and I'm sure I'm that way too. Um, and one thing I teach my students is like, you got to pitch that date so that it sounds so spectacular. It is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And you really want to use what she says to you on the first date, figure out what's compelling to her. Because if you say, yeah, let's go out again. And the date idea is kind of like basic. Well, if she's an in-demand woman, she's getting a lot of options. She has a lot of suitors who are inviting her to things. She's going to choose the best one. And usually the best one is the activity. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the person because she doesn't know the person yet. Right. So it's like, oh, I get to go on, and I shouldn't use this as an example, but like, oh, I get to go on a private jet. Well, I'm going to blow off that guy and, do, and go on the private jet. And what I teach my students is like, you don't need a private jet. You don't need to spend a lot of money, but you do need to learn how to pitch your date idea. So it sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity. So she should be so stoked to go with you to Starbucks because you found a way to make Starbucks sound like super epic once in a lifetime thing, right? That way she's going to think herself into it rather than wake up tired and be like, I'm just going to let him know I'm not feeling well, right? you know, because we do that as women, you know, I've done it a million times. It's really just, I have a lot of opportunity. I don't really want to make an effort today because I'm feeling yucky from yesterday or whatever. So if your date idea is really compelling, then she'll be like, uh, okay, I can make it happen. It'll be fine. You know? Yeah. It's a kind of like a sales technique, right? You want to give her an offer you that she can't refuse. 
and they'll, she'll want to do it. And I feel like women do bond over experiences. So the fact that you said an activity, a dating activity, that could be a great way for her to have some chemistry with you and feel like she bonded with you. And then that's when chemistry is developed, right? Like the feelings she gets and she sees a different side of you because you probably had dinner or maybe coffee on the first date. You don't want to go get another coffee or another dinner. Like you want to do something different. So she could see you in a different light. So, but it was interesting what you said at the beginning, Emily, that you want, you encourage the men to go out on these uh, short investment dates, meaning just like a coffee date or something. What are mm -hmm. some other um, short, small investment dates that you can think of that men should do or can do? Yeah. So ice cream date, cupcake date, chocolate tasting date, mochi, um, you know, a bakery, a donut date. How cute is that? When you got this, you know, she's got tons of guys saying, Hey, you want to go for coffee? And you're like, you want to go for mini cupcake? That's cute. Yeah. Right. As a woman, I'm like, yes, I do want to go for mini cupcakes. Uh, that's amazing. Like I would just be interested in him for being creative. Yeah. You know, that's and cute. it's, it's really not about, you know, what, what I find that that does is a <clears throat> takes pressure off. You got to meet somebody for three hours on a first date and you know, in the first 30 seconds, whether you want to see them again, now you're looking for ways out of it. How do I get out of this three hour commitment? Right. There's that there's weeding out the gold diggers, right? Okay. Let's make sure that they're not in it for the wrong reasons. Um, and then there's just being playful and fun, you know, like going to get an ice cream cone, on a first date is going to bring up nostalgia, which studies show that really helps to create pair bonding. And it makes her feel that way about you, that nostalgia she feels now gets subconsciously associated with how she's going to feel about you. So those good vibes are going to get paired with that. Um, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. What else would you suggest um, bowling on the first date or second date? Second date. Okay. Yeah. What are so other what I teach with second dates. Yeah. So I teach very different framework for first, second, and third date. So you're really escalating sexual tension without stagnating the relationship. Um, second date should be physically active. It should create arousal in the body because when we have arousal in the body, we then are aroused around the people that we're around. So we don't, we don't know where the arousal is coming from, but we just feel more connected to a partner. Uh, so any, any physical activity, hiking, biking, walking along the beach, bowling, um, you know, trampoline house, what else? Roller, roller skating, roller skating. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things you can do. Anything physically active. That's going to create arousal is very good. Bingo, you see this is bingo too boring for a second date. I wouldn't be stationary. Okay. Okay. So because you, you want the, you want like the, all the feel good chemicals that happen when you're working out. Okay. You want that to flood your system. And so when you're feeling that way, now you, you have this person with you, you're now going to feel the way that your body feels and you're going to subconsciously associate it with that person. So what if you go on a yoga date or what else? What else can they do on a second date? Yoga. Uh, if you live exercise by class. You could do that? exercise class. Exercise class. If you live by a body of water or the ocean, you could do paddle boarding, kayaking, canoeing. If you live, um, let me think of other things. Just anything physical. You could do an escape room. You could go rock climbing. 
anything that's going to create arousal. Yeah. Did your um, fiance create good dates while you guys were dating? Like, was he following kind of the plan? Like what, what does he think about being in this business, about being in the dating business after you guys met? He loves it. I mean, that's like, we started the business so soon after we met, that was part of why we fell in love with each other. Cause we were just both really entrepreneurial and, and like he re- he's always really liked dating. He was single for like six years or something before me. And he did a lot of dating as well. Um, did he follow the framework? Let's see our first date, if I can recall, well, we met, we did like a park thing, but that wasn't a date. Our first date, I invited him to go to a casino, I think, but it wasn't really, I didn't think of it as a date. Um, and so we were moving around, we were moving around and, you know, you can create arousal in different ways not just physical activity, but like something scary. So there was like a, um, cemetery right next to the casino. And so that was kind of scary and it creates that adrenaline and arousal and, and you're um, exploring so it together, right? So that creates yeah. kind of bonding. Yeah. So we had a little bonding there. And um, yeah, it, our story was not necessarily exactly the same framework because we met through friends. Uh-huh. So I knew about him. So uh, it wasn't exactly the same, but still, yeah. I don't know if he created good dates so much as just we had so much in common. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the dates we went on were good. Then the second date was like walking along the beach. And that was, that's always a good date. And it's free. Right. Right. I mean, you can't have a bad time unless it's really cold. Right. Mm-hmm. But even like you could rent bikes or rent rollerblades, right? You could do something like mm-hmm. that or check out surfers that are surfing and just chatting. And yeah, like there's so many things to do aside from the normal coffee dinner lunch date right like people just have to be creative and I like the idea where you say oh let's go for a donut date and that's fun right like it's a playful Mm -hmm. side and yeah I like that good Mm -hmm. ideas good ideas and that sugar boost is going to make you feel good and then you're going to pair that feeling good feeling with the part you know the person so yeah Right. Yeah. I think sometimes as women, uh, or sorry, uh, sometimes as men, we just get so caught up in trying to impress the woman. And, you know, sometimes we lead with money if, you know, they make a lot of money. So, but a lot of times it's doing something different can, can um, create that same excitement. So I love it. Well, yeah, it doesn't evoke an emotional reaction if you say you have money. Honestly, I teach my students not to do that, even though most of them are very successful. I'm like, don't talk about that. Because when a man talks about his money, it's really just a subconscious sign that he's insecure about something else, making up for something else. Because if you really know you're the man, you don't need to tell her. She'll find out. I didn't know. I did not know my partner was successful for like two years, honestly, because he lives very humbly. I didn't know. Yeah. I just liked the way he was, you know, and and I think that's really important because a lot of guys, man, a lot of guys I dated, they told me how much money was in their bank account. Right. That's so it weird. Was such a turnoff. It was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I have $1 in my bank account, <laughs> you know, like who cares? So that's know. a good, good lesson for men who maybe unconsciously lead with money. Like they talk about all the great things they have, what kind of car they drive or whatever. Like it's, 
that doesn't impress women. What impresses women is your character, who you are, how they feel around you. And yeah. So yeah, yeah. all those things. She's going to figure it out. Right. You know, right. if you're successful, she'll figure it out. Yeah. And then it will be a bonus because right. you won't have attracted her. You start telling people about your money, you're creating a dynamic of expectation in the woman where now she's expecting you to buy her nice things and take her to nice places. And now it's setting you up to be taken advantage of. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Let us know how someone can get in touch with you if they want to work with you and include any last words you want to say. And I, of course, will put all this stuff in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about your parting words. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to work with me, check out my website at emmaloves.com. That's E-M-L-O-V, like Victor, Z, like zebra.com. And then I'm emmaloves on all the socials. We've got a bunch of videos on YouTube and TikTok and the Instagram we're learning about. Um, But yeah, my parting words are just dating is so, it can be so fun if you have the right people on your team, like May um, and, and just, you know, try and look at it as like this fun social experiment. That's how I look at, at everything that feels difficult. It's like, let me get curious about it rather than I'm going to find my partner tomorrow and we're going to get married and, you know, don't put so much pressure on it. It's just, it's, you're having an experience. And if you look at it, like, this is just me collecting data about my experience that really takes the pressure off. I like that. That's such a logical logical male way of looking at it but it's true like sometimes people just put so much pressure on their dates or if they read someone's profile and they're like oh my gosh she's like the perfect guy and now all this pressure to go on the date has to be perfect but chances are you're not going to marry that guy that you think has the perfect profile right like chances are you're going to probably partner up with someone totally not like that, but they make you feel good. You like who they are and how they carry themselves and how they treat others. And so, yeah, but anyway, well, ladies, if you're single out there, I would love to meet you, be part of my database, go to two Asian matchmakers.com men. If you're looking to find a nice Asian woman, go to two Asian matchmakers.com and fill out a contact form. And I would love to meet you and help you find the love of your life. So thank you, Emily, for your time. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks.